0: Good evening, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing tonight? I hope everyone is well on this Monday evening. And uh, that's right, this is uh, Monday, January 24th, 2022. And welcome in to a brand new episode of the C Report. I am your host, Mr. C, as always, and it's great to be here with you guys tonight. I hope you all had a wonderful, wonderful weekend, and it was filled with many joyous things and happy occasions and hopefully a little bit of good news too. Well, it seems like uh good news and news all around uh is is rather full. uh We had a lot of uh a lot of stories uh that I wanted to share with you guys tonight, uh, but we'll see what we can get to for sure. And uh, well, just rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, we do have a full story for you guys tonight to share. Uh, but in the meantime, once again, thank you for joining us. If you are live with us, we are uh, we are coming to you on uh, several platforms tonight, including uh, the Foxhole Pill.net as well as uh, Twitch, Clout Hub, Trovo, and DLive just uh, breaking through the normie zombie news cycle and perhaps uh, anything else that uh, people out there were doing tonight. If they happen to stumble across this broadcast, maybe they'll get an earful of things they may not have known about or uh, may not have uh, wanted to know about. But either way, we're happy to be here with you guys tonight doing what we do. And again, like I said, I hope you all had a great weekend. We had a pretty good weekend here um, over at the Sea Household slash the C Studios. Uh, we had a couple of interesting uh, shows during the weekend. We did Mr. C in the Dark on Friday. That was a that was a pretty fun pretty fun show that we had going on. I had a guest Java on, and we were kind of just uh, mulling over a whole bunch of different topics. Now, uh, if you haven't seen Mr. C in the Dark, and I know uh, I know uh, some of you guys out there are pretty familiar with the show, but if you haven't seen it, we usually air that, uh, you know, towards the weekends, you know, well after the sun's gone down and the moon has risen, and uh, well, you know, it's a casual type of show with uh, news topics, conversations, guest panels, stuff like that. And uh, if you're over on the podcast side of our show, well, we have started uploading those episodes onto the podcast, so you can uh, be sure to check them out there as well. I would say for sure, 100%, that um, uh, if you are a podcast listener, you are probably happy because we managed to get all of our shows. We were backlogged on there, quite honestly, but we managed to get all of the shows uploaded and we are totally current at this point i tell you what i was busy all weekend long getting that uh, backlog updated ladies and gentlemen and uh, i'll try not to let that happen again um you know it's uh it's a lot of work for a one-man band but uh, i'm not complaining you know i usually work better alone but hey i love a team too But either way, guys, uh, so be sure you check out um, our podcast version of the show if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, We bring to you all of the uh, news, events, current affairs uh, that we uh, go through here at the Sea Report, but in podcast format. So, uh, you know, if you uh, can't have your eyeballs glued to a screen, well, your ears will sing with joy for the uh, the information that we bring you and in the way that we do it here at The Sea Report, we do it like nobody else. But uh, that's just me saying that, of course. Anyways, guys, uh, oh yeah, let me let me put that address out there. That is uh, anchor.fm slash the sea report. If you would like to check that out, ladies and gentlemen, and you can subscribe for free or you can subscribe on a monthly donation basis. It's up to you, 99 cents. a month, any amount helps, but of course, ladies and gentlemen, every episode that you listen to supports our broadcast, so we can keep on bringing you the news and current events uh, from the perspective of one crazy Hispanic over here in uh, South Central Texas, that would be me, Mr. C. All right, so we'll get that off the screen tonight. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of different uh, stories, as I mentioned, were kind of coming across the good old desk today. Uh, that I thought about uh, whether or not I was going to share a lot of stories. I would like to get to tonight, uh, but we'll probably have to save that for tomorrow's episode. Um, but you know, uh, I think probably one of the things that is most top of the mind uh, is is in regards to uh COVID-19 the vaccinations uh, the masks the restrictions the mandates and uh the general confusion that most of the world must be facing at this point in time when uh we have uh countries you know like uh, the United Kingdom who are officially uh, relinquishing their hold on the lockdown that they had of their citizens in regards to COVID-19. And then, of course, over the weekend, we also had a basically an international uh, a freedom uh, event, rally, protest uh, in regards to uh, the government and the governing officials, uh, those whom in most instances are elected and should be doing the will of their people. You know, uh, we had uh, we had rallies and protests internationally um, about these mandates and how we as uh, citizens, people of this world, of our own respective com- uh, countries disagree with the way that this um, a planned pandemic has been handled. Uh, so that was very encouraging to see. And I say that because it was encouraging to see the United States of America participate in that type of an event now don't get me wrong we've had several marches and protests uh, regarding COVID-19 and these radical mandates uh, here in the States. Uh, they've been mostly disjointed, disconnected, severed, discombobulated. Uh, but we see them more so in the States where they have those really type of tyrannical, draconian measures. We're talking about like New York. We're talking about like California. Now, admittedly, when I was younger I always thought the West is the best, right? Well, you know, left coast, eh, we're wrong there, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe not the brightest bunch of kumquats in the group over there on the West Coast or the left coast, as we sometimes like to call them. But it was always encouraging to me to see uh, the citizens and the people in states like California stand up, rise up and tell them, nope, we ain't gonna do it. And we're very unhappy for it. Uh, I think we saw... I think we saw Californians standing up against uh, fraudulent elections and uh, Governor Newsom, gruesome Newsom, uh, far before we saw them really standing up against like COVID measures and mandates. But uh, even over in New York, ladies and gentlemen, I was like, well, all hope is not lost uh, because they definitely were holding um, anti-mandate rallies and protests in uh, New York uh, at a greater extent than we saw in California, Uh, but it does my heart good to know that our brothers and sisters in both of those states um, are, are actually active and aware and doing something because, you know, people like me on the third coast down here in Texas, uh, we think that those guys, generally speaking, uh, are totally disengaged and have absolutely no idea what the hell's going on. Or they just don't care because it's it's not fashion week and it's not uh, time for the Oscars or the Emmys. Uh, But, you know, uh, that that judgment, I guess, can be uh, sated upon uh, those states uh, for their own reputations. But uh, having the United States as a whole come together and uh, join the international community who has already been much more active in protesting against the draconian measures that have come with COVID-19 and these radical mandates... Uh, is very heartening indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We also uh, had a COVID uh, hearing today, if I'm not mistaken, um, in uh, Washington, DC, hosted by Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Uh, So uh, as you can see, ladies and gentlemen, as you probably know, if you are a frequent viewer of this broadcast, Uh, The light is really shining down on the um, treachery, we'll call it that, uh, of what um, elected officials in government have done to us at the behest of uh, international organizations who think they know best for what's going on in everybody's day uh, and life, and uh, people are not taking it anymore. But of course along with that ladies and gentlemen much uh much accolades go to those who have remained diligent in spreading that truth and not allowing themselves to be uh you know rickrolled as it were conned or you know you know just totally taken down uh for their stance on the vaccines you know we've had some examples of uh, scientists and doctors uh, who have stood their ground, you know, and who have uh, uh, not stopped in the face of any opposition that they have come across that has, uh, has thrown themselves at them. And, and that would also include uh, to appoint um, a few, the very few, but the very brave uh, representatives in our country, Uh, And by representative, I do mean elected official, not just a representative versus a senator who stand against uh, those measures and are vocal about it. Um, uh, dare I say, ladies and gentlemen, that the entire ruse of the uh, pre-planned pandemic of the genuinely manufactured COVID-19 uh, moonlighting, uh, the flu uh, moonlighting as COVID-19 virus slash disease slash sickness slash planned pandemic is uh, is coming to its end. It seems that the narrative has run its course And uh, well, I mean, it may have run its course a little bit earlier than uh, those who planned it out had expected it to. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen, that's what elected officials get and their uh, propaganda doghounds, the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media. That's what they get when they try and foist a lie and a deception upon an awake public who is waking up more and more every day. And again, many thanks, applauds, and accolades go to those who have not only stood up in the face of that tyrannical deception but have also chosen not to stay silent and have continued to be vocal in sharing the information and putting their voice their lives and everything about them at risk. So here here I'm going to go ahead and give some claps and some uh, applause now because I really do believe that this uh, that this entire ruse is coming to an end, you know. And then, you know, if you go and look at social media posts, and you know, a lot of us are still engaged in social media despite our being banned or despite our being blackballed or shadow banned or silenced. A lot of us are still engaged in it, and you, I'm sure you all can see for a fact. That uh, there are many people out there who are expressing their concern or their disagreement with the way that this is mishandled. I think uh, I think one of the main uh, points, or one of the main uh, um, the one of the main uh, perceptions that people have been saying is that when the future, when our children, when our grandchildren look back at this time period, when they look back at the what two years or so. We'll we'll round it off to two years. And thank God it is only two years. But when they look back at the two years that uh, we had COVID-19, they will look back at it as the greatest moral crisis that has ever inflicted this planet. They will look back at it as one of the greatest crimes of humanity that has ever come across our existence Uh, because indeed it affected the world on a a total basis and it infected the world in a way that uh, changed everyone's lives and it truly allowed we the people of the planet earth to see the uh, mechanisms and the way that things are being run and handled and it also kind of exposed who the handlers were. And maybe they're not the handlers at the top of the pyramid, but they are most definitely the handlers that most uh, normal people, uh, most people who are not as uh, cognizant of, uh, of, the, of uh, the way the world runs in regards to government and the media and all that stuff, it, it showed them how the machine really grinds its gears into us and uh, kind of let them know, that uh things are not exactly the way that they seem and uh perhaps it's time to pay attention right so uh you know uh, to the to the great awakening may people continue to awaken even more because uh well you know we're letting them show us and they're doing a great job at being exhibitionists and uh you know i'm pretty sure that uh people in that pyramid are uh, are pretty akin to that and uh, prefer it. Uh, but uh, that is just the way it is, ladies and gentlemen, and that's the way it will be. And this path will continue forward, I would say. I think the only question we have to ask now... And particularly on the shores of America, because uh, we know that these uh, that these powers that be uh, they they tend to have uh, festered and grown on our shores, and and really operate out of this country, uh, creating uh, creating these once great United States of America into into a uh, predator that has inflicted its own infection upon the rest of the world now admittedly uh this uh this uh this growth or this this cancer uh did not originate in these United States of America but most definitely this country has been used as a vessel for those evil beings whose intent is malignant and has uh chosen to uh, operate here um, and use us as their arm to shackle and bring down the rest of the world, indeed, the spotlights on america and uh, that is one thing to say in regards to our country uh, that uh, it 's important that the people here really uh, stand up and show up uh, in this uh, in this fight against those individuals that uh, have been uh, you know perpetuating this for decades, if not centuries. Um, You know, uh, the time has come, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we really have to be that representation. We really have to be that example, as we still have on paper more rights than most of the country. Um, Otherwise, we would have gone the way of Australia a long time ago and the world would have been lost to us all. So, yeah, you know, uh, COVID-19, guys. What is next is the question I think that most people are wondering, at least on these shores because uh, all of the narratives that uh, we see expanding outward into the rest of the world, a lot of them originate and, you know, they uh, incubate here in the States. So uh, for us, guys, if you're an international viewer of the show, you know, the, the, the pandemic, this pre-planned uh, deception, uh, had a lot to do with locking down the country, destroying the economy, stealing elections, installing a fake government... And also uh, picking off uh, anybody who uh, would not follow the uh, selected governing body of, uh, of the uh, elite globalists' choice. So what is next for America, one might wonder? What is next? What is the next game that will be played? What is the next scene to be staged? Well, that remains to be seen, you know, but uh, I have a feeling deep down in my gut That uh, now that the uh, planned pandemic narrative has vanquished itself from the hearts that were once ensconced in fear amongst the population of this planet, that the next thing they're going to do is start beating that good old reliable drum of war, ladies and gentlemen. And indeed, we are seeing that as a fact unravel more and more as we advance down this timeline. Now, uh, let me say for a fact, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to be the topic on the menu for tonight. So we will get to that in just a moment, along with a few uh, Trump statements for us, as always. But before that, let me go ahead and jump into the chat rooms real quick and say a howdy do you do and hello uh, to those joining us. Tam Growl, Sherry Pittsburgh, thank you for joining us tonight. Good to see you in the audience. And indeed, Tam Growl, I'm hoping for no buffering on my side tonight, too. May the uh, technical gods ever be blessing tonight and allow us to stay connected, if at least not for the next two hours. Um, And again, thank you for joining us again, uh, Pilled by the Rabbit. Good to see you, sir. Hope you're doing well tonight and uh, great to have you with us. Sergeant Sparky, good evening. Hey, thanks for popping in and saying hello. And uh, it looks like Sergeant Sparky also dropped a link in the chat room to a Rumble video. And, uh, I'm going to go ahead and copy that, uh, that now it's a COVID-19, a second opinion. Ooh, girl, can I get a second, third, fourth, and fifth opinion on that, please? Uh, I'll, I'll check that out later, Mr. Sergeant Sparky. Oh, well, I just looked at it now and it looks like you are, uh, thank you, uh, Sergeant Sparky for sharing that link. Uh, Sergeant Sparky shared a link to the, uh, to the panel discussion that was held today. At the White House, or I mean, sorry, not at the White House. Everyone knows the White House has been closed for business since about, I don't know, January 21 of 2021, but uh, this is a discussion around uh, with Senator Ron Johnson moderating the panel on COVID-19, a group of world renowned doctors and medical experts provide a different perspective on the global pandemic response, the current state of knowledge of early and hospital treatment, vaccine efficacy and safety, what went right, what went wrong, what should be done now and what needs to be done uh, to be addressed in the long term. Ah, much appreciated, sir. Much appreciated. Thank you for dropping that link in the chat room. And I, you know, I haven't uh, I haven't been able to view the entire um, panel discussion, but, uh, well, most definitely we'll be getting back to it. Uh, welcome in CDP4JC. Thanks for joining us this evening. Tam Gural, I appreciate the cookie. I was uh, having a bit of a sweet tooth there, so that will work railing on in the house with 117 gold pills good evening sir thank you for being here as always two rivers is in the chat room as well Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Two River says, what's this COVID thing? Uh, The common cold? COVID-19 is SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, you know, know, COVID-19, the coronavirus uh, disease uh, 2019, you know, all they had to do was just, uh, you know, put the word corona or, you know, just use that. Uh, And, you know, how many coronas? viruses are prevalent i mean almost almost uh every type of uh of known uh you know infection virus is is a corona type of virus so it was very generic they played a fast one on us and uh you know uh you know fool us once or twice you know but thrice is not gonna work ladies and gentlemen i don't know where i was looking at it at uh I don't know if it was on a show, or if I just came across this post that was talking about the whole PCR tests, and that was rather eye opening. You know, uh, the the amount of deception that these people utilized in order to trick us and fool us into uh, believing that uh, this thing was um, was brand new and a killer. And really, ladies and gentlemen, they just uh, they just weaponized the flu against us in our minds and hearts, and of course. They use the propaganda media out there in order to uh, spread that uh, fear, uh, which is why I say, guys, you know, it's it, quite synonymously. I have to say, quite synonymously, I have to say, there is no 2022 or 2024 election until we fix 2020, and there is no, no sense of true freedom and uh, and and accurate information or United States of America, or the world, until we get rid of the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird media, they gotta go just as bad as we need to fix the 2020 general election and get that said and done with and put to bed so that this humanity, this world, can continue to advance as humans should and grow and really reach for those stars That the government has been hiding from us for a long time. So, yeah, I got to say, much agreed on that sense of the term. Looks like we have Posi for Hope in the House right now. She says, New York is red. We had rallies all over the state. You know, Posi for Hope, uh, you know... California, I believe deep down in my heart is red, as you know, the blood that uh, pumps through my veins. Although I know it's purple before oxygen hits it, and uh, I'm willing to believe New York is as well. You know, I don't know if New York flipped in 2020. I know California did because I saw it with my own eyes, but uh, I, I do believe that New York is red, and it's the city centers, right? It's the city centers, the the massive. Uh, metropolitan areas where most uh, population is is concentrated, where it's blue, right? But uh, safe to say, like what outside of Manhattan, outside of uh, you know New York City proper, that uh, they are red. You know, I mean, I've heard a lot of things about Long Island being very red, being very conservative for the history that it has. So uh, that's very heartening to note, and uh, I would I would agree with you in that sense. Posse for hope. Uh, CP4JC, welcome, welcome, says, as we like to say in Texas, bless their hearts. Well, that's a Southern thing, gal. That is a Southern thing for sure. And, uh, yeah, bless them indeed. All right. Let's see what else, uh, before we jump into tonight's report, the joyful Lily, good evening. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, CD, uh, P4JC says, Ron gave the cabal a gut punch today. Pray for a badge of protection for Ron Johnson and folks who spoke up today in Jesus' name. Prayers indeed, uh, C-D-P-4-J-C. And I would say I also pray for Ron Johnson's heart to open to the actuality of election fraud that occurred in his state in Wisconsin. Let us pray, ladies and gentlemen, and I will leave that there. Um, And let's see here. What else is going on? You guys are all up here in the house tonight. Um, let's see here, uh, Sergeant Sparky also hanging out again, as I said, hello, hello, hello. Okay, guys, I think we're good. <laughs> uh, it. That's a good point CDP4JC. They um are also going to say you stupid or something. You know, that's the thing that we're seeing I think the most. Uh this uh cognitive dissonance that a lot of those who accept the vax and accept the fear of COVID into their hearts. Uh a lot of them it's not it's I don't think it's as much cognitive dissonance as it is uh some type of ego or or uh I don't know, narcissist-driven psychosis. Because all of the data is coming out. All of the information is coming out. Doctors are now recommending their patients to not get the vaccines. Uh, you know, pharmacists are now, uh, you know, fearing for their lives for uh, for actually, uh, you know, injecting people with these, uh, these uh, supposed vaccines because they know that there is no data to support the orders that they have been following. And they know in their heart, They have broken some type of moral code. This is happening now. And yet you still have the vaccinated. You still have the uh, COVID fear-mongering zombies who are being relentless in relinquishing the lies that they have fed into. And I really feel that has something to do with some type of ego psychosis. Uh, But they're going to have to get over it, ladies and gentlemen. They're just afraid of the dreaded, I told you so is what it is. But they're going to have to relinquish that fear. They're going to have to release that ego uh, because we're not here to criticize and we're not here to wag a finger in their face, even though I know a lot of us uh, will be quite tempted to. Uh, But, uh, you know, we're as concerned about their own safety as we are for them. We're as concerned about uniting this country and the people of this world against the globalist elite cabal or these uh, pig filth, whatever you want to call them. We're as concerned about it, uh, their lives as we are our own, you know? And so um, because we stand better united than separated or divided. Uh, So hopefully, hopefully that light will reach their hearts as well. Ladies and gentlemen, Uh, Connie Ketchup, hey, good to see you. Mike Mars, good to see you. Connie Ketchup says, I don't know how you're going to get these big corporations to stop this mess testing and masks. Well, Connie Ketchup, as I know you are very well aware, um, they're doing it for themselves by exposing themselves to the world. You know, I think more and more exposure and uh, the way that they work, think, and exist is coming to the surface as we move along as we move along they are uh they are doing things that they would normally do it's just that uh, people are paying attention now and uh people have the intellect to uh put two and two together and to i think you know i think it's safe to say that um you know uh, uh critical reasoning might actually uh be having a comeback you know uh, so uh, you, let them do as they do. Um, Will we see a huge event or some type of uh, really, uh, I don't know, like a a moment that lets us know that that has ended? Maybe. Um, In the case of the pharmaceutical industry, the entire uh, COVID-19 pre-planned pandemic, uh, I think is good enough an example as people wake up that these corporations uh, really had a lot of control in what was going on. And I think the same might be for the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, Mockingbird Media. Uh, that they are now exposed. Uh, And all we have to do is wait for them to either show us the connections or for some type of information to bring out that connection on a wide scale. I'm talking like global scale so that people can connect the big business to the big media, to the governments of this world. And hopefully we can uh, get to the top of that pyramid in, uh, in that wake, ladies and gentlemen. Sonia J.H.C., good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Persnick, hey, what's going on, buddy? Welcome into the chat room today. Aurelius Locke, is good to see you, my friend. I hope you are well on your side of the screen as always. Um, And uh, let's see here. Uh, PCR only gross stuff um, doesn't give accurate readings, uh, say this such an, yeah, Two Rivers said that, you know, and in regards to that Two Rivers, uh, when I was looking at this, uh, I kind of expose on the PCR test and the creator of the test, who I might add was, uh, totally, um, anti-Fauci and wanted to expose the man, uh, for his work in the, uh, uh, uh the, uh, spreading of the HIV tests and the drugs that he pushed to, uh, kill thousands of Americans back in the uh, 80s and 70s, 70s, 80s, um, uh, the PCR test, as as I um, understood his explanation of it, was, uh, you know, um, a machine that could amplify uh, anything down to the molecular level. And so if they zeroed in on like, I don't know, 0.01 of a corona in someone's DNA, it could amplify it to where it looked like it was prevalent and that person was infected. So I was like, dang, this is, uh, this is some pretty, pretty, uh, um, e- you know, raunchy evil deception guys. Like they, they literally used something to conflate, uh, to amplify something that was non-existent. And that's where we get the myth of the, uh, of the um, a, a asymptomatic COVID carrier. If you are an asymptomatic COVID carrier, you don't have COVID or Corona. You don't have it. I mean, you might have a coronavirus in you, like one mo- mo- one molecule, molecular piece of it, but you are not sick. You are not infected. And that is the uh, that is the hoax that the government or whomever, the CDC, whoever you want to call it, has used in order to amplify this planned pandemic. And it is quite astonishing. And that truth is out there. We, ladies and gentlemen, need to amplify and share that knowledge um, so that this way we can end this sooner than it already is. It's already ending sooner than it was supposed to, ladies and gentlemen. It is already ending sooner than it was supposed to. And uh, I think we can be grateful for that. We just got to make sure that we don't stop, we don't let up, and we don't relent in the face of that knowledge and that lie that is dueling it out right now in the hearts and minds of uh, many people and the world. Um, Let's see here. All right. I think we're good on. uh, Hey, it's Bruce. What's up, Bruce Banner? Welcome into the show today. Thank you for gifting the shades and good to see you in uh, the the audience, buddy. Uh, Thanks for being with us. Um, I think we're good on uh, comments here from uh, the fam bam, so to speak. I'm pretty sure these people I'm speaking of do not see any of this kind of news. I have no clue where they get their news, or they are just plain stupid. Yeah, well, we, we might have one idea where that news come from. Uh, isn't that the case, ladies and gentlemen? <clears throat> Communist News Network. All right, guys, that was a pretty good run up into tonight's show. So let's start with, uh, oh, well, let's start with uh, sharing this information with you. Uh, Tonight's show is brought to you by Breitbart, the Washington Examiner, the Air Force Times, Bloomberg, uh, Vox, double and uh, the Gateway Pundit and the American Conservative. And like I said, tonight, uh, we're going to be focusing on those war drums, ladies and gentlemen. It's kind of been uh, a bit of a topic for conversation here at the Sea Report. And, uh, you know, um, well, like uh, like I've been saying, guys, uh, I've been bouncing around between, uh, you know, Ukraine and Kazakhstan and, uh, and NATO and the United States of America for a few weeks tonight. We're really going to barrel into it because I'm sure many of you all have heard uh, that uh, well, all of the uh, all of the progression that uh, NATO and our State Department are making in the area of uh, war with Russia. Okay, uh, and so yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that tonight. That's going to be the topic du jour for tonight. But let's start with one of President Trump's uh, statements, ladies and gentlemen. As per the huge President Trump leads at the Sea Report minus one episode in our history. Uh, Let's see what uh, President Trump has to say in this statement today. It's it's not much. It's pretty much a one-liner. Really big crowd expected in Texas this weekend. The rallies are bigger than ever before. So much talk about. Ah, President Trump. Oh, yes. Making reference to the rally coming up this weekend. Now you can bet for sure, ladies and gentlemen, we will be uh, hosting a live stream watch party here at Mr. CTV and the Mr. C Channel. And that'll be uh, this Saturday, January 29th. uh, And you all are welcome to join us. Uh, I unfortunately will not be present at this rally. And uh, I do hold true into my heart that uh, this this will not be the last time we see President Trump in the Lone Star State. And so I'm hoping to make the next one um, if I'm able to. But uh, yes, so he'll be with us in Conroe, Texas. On this Saturday, uh, for those of you who are interested or may have the chance to get there, uh, it will be held at Montgomery County Fairgrounds, address 9333 Airport Road, Conroe, Texas. And uh, doors will be opening at 2 p.m. that Mm -hmm. afternoon. And of course, uh, President 45, Donald J. Trump, will be taking the stage at 7 p.m. And uh, we'll see how that goes, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Will he be on time? Will he give an extended speech? Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, You know, I did have a thought cross my mind, I might say, uh, before we jump into the next Trump statement that will segue us into the rest of the show. And that was in regards to uh, what happened during the Arizona uh, rally that happened about a week ago or so, two weeks, you know, next week. Um and that that had to deal with you know the entire uh the entire um interest in whether or not we had the actual president Trump on stage or if it was you know a body double or something like that uh you know I don't spill into that topic too much on the c report, but I thought about um i thought about uh you know if that were a body double on the stage for president Trump and we also had um we also had a false flag allegedly happening in Texas at the same time, Uh, my mind working the way it does was trying to connect all of these dots. Like, why would, uh, you know, they choose to have a false flag on this day in Arizona when President Trump has been having rallies, you know, all throughout 2021, if the reason for that false flag was to keep people from paying attention to President Trump's rally in Arizona. That was the main stump in the road that kept on, uh, you know, blocking my path. And then I thought, well, perhaps it is because they were expecting President Trump to say something uh, that they did not want people to hear and had to distract him. That very well could be the reason, because after all, a lot of us were hoping that perhaps President Trump would, uh, I don't know, announce his run for presidency. And that is a subterfuge because we all know, uh, perhaps we were hoping uh, he would announce something much more important than that. But, um, you know, with this false flag happening in Texas... And uh, the reason why I would deem it a false flag is because, of course, you know, why would uh, someone who is unrelated to a terrorist that is being held in Dallas, Texas, right? Why would someone who's unrelated claim to be their brother and then cl- and then go into a synagogue, which was supposedly uh, not an anti-Semitic move, uh, a- and hold hostage all of these people uh, when... Very well. Anyone who is critically reasoning or had any type of uh, a brain power would know. You're not going to get a known terrorist convicted released from a prison on the basis of a hostage situation. It was a no-win situation for this man to begin with. Then the FBI acts in a very uh unprotocol way, did not follow their standard operating procedures. There were no hostages held when they killed that man or I don't know if he killed himself, but they went in and they had their flashbangs, their grenades, their guns and everything totally not protocol for a hostage situation. If there are no hostages, you do not shoot to kill. And would it not have benefited us more if we had actually apprehended this man and had been able to question him and find out exactly what was going on? Or was that in fact a ruse? Was that in fact deception and something else going on? Because it seems that even through this hostage situation and he making a phone call to New York... The people on New York said that they were on their way down. So uh, I'm just going to put this out here and out there now on the table. And this is not to create or project a possible future, but rather just to be concerned. And uh, also, you know, in the hopes that prayers may go up as always. um, Hopefully there's nothing of the type planned here in Texas, ladies and gentlemen. If we have people from New York telling the terrorist in the synagogue that they are coming down, Hopefully there's not some type of uh, threat at the Texas rally coming up this Saturday. So that is all I'm going to say on that front. But if we had a body double standing in for Trump on Saturday last in Arizona, possibly there was a threat that they had assessed or had been uh, informed about I'm always standing aware of these types of things, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't think I'm being paranoid and I don't think I'm stepping out of bounds to say, Uh, but let us pray for the safety of uh, everyone at the rally on this coming Saturday, as well for our president and those who are representing the America First movement to save our country and restore our republic. I've said my piece. Amen. Now, let's get on to the next Trump statement. And uh, thank you for gifting uh, the uh, cookie over there, Mr. Sean Joe. Much appreciated, sir. All right, the next statement from President Trump. What do we got here, ladies and gentlemen? What do we have here? What's happening with Russia and Ukraine would never happen under the Trump administration not even a possibility. Indeed, ladies and gentlemen, not even a possibility. Now, if you're talking to anyone in the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird media, if you're talking to any of those treasonous representatives up there on the hill, they'll tell you the reason why they, uh, the reason why Trump would not have any type of a ordeal going on in, uh, in, uh, in Europe, Eastern Europe, Russia, and Ukraine, because, uh, because, uh, well, you know, they, they, uh, Trump bowed down to Putin. Trump kowtowed to Putin. Uh, Trump admired Putin, you know, and uh, he he was in cahoots with him and was actually an agent of Putin. So uh, under under a Trump administration, most assuredly, the United States would be backing up Russia in uh, in invading and conquering the Ukraine. Yeah, that is how disjointed. The uh, synapses are of those people who are currently running this operation and uh, the people that they uh, utilize as their mouthpieces, um, because indeed, you know, uh, this what is going on in Ukraine and Russia and NATO, I might add, uh, is is all is all part of some plan, in my opinion, uh, to be the next big thing, the next big dish that the globalist elite are going to serve and um, it might be a dish that is a little underprepared uh, but that would be because they have not uh they have not uh, had plans going accordingly for their own uh, timeline and playbook but uh like I've been saying here since this entire situation occurred, ladies and gentlemen that uh it is it is indeed NATO. And the globalists behind the United States that are currently um, uh, in power because of their uh, their fraudulency and their uh, coup against the people of this nation and the administration that they attacked. Um, that they are wanting and needing a war to break out, to bring this world down around into a haze of distraction and fear in which they can capitalize against us. And that is exactly what I think is going on. Uh, Could there be some other dealings going on here? Maybe. And we're going to explore those possibilities tonight for sure. But uh, to, to, to stay abreast on what is going on right now, ladies and gentlemen, over the weekend, as I'm sure most of you all heard, um, uh, there has been an, uh, an acceleration of, uh, of uh, um, alertness or fear uh, awareness uh, of the beating of the war drums in regards to the United, uh, the United, sorry the United States, NATO, but more specifically Ukraine and Russia. Now, the number one thing that we have been hearing out of the deep state department, okay representatives of the globalist elite is that Russia is the aggressor, is that Russia is threatening to invade Ukraine. And indeed, since April 2021, uh, that is when uh, Russia started its um, amassing troops on the western border of their country, which is towards the Ukrainian border, of course. And as that happened, we also saw more troops and more troops amassing. Uh, there was also uh, knowledge this past weekend of uh, Russia sending, I think, its only naval airship into the Baltic Sea, uh, which I also heard is damaged. Uh, and so, uh, well, you know, with that in mind, guys, we, uh, uh, we the uh, people of the United States, have only heard... From NATO, we've only heard from Anthony Blinken, we've only heard from the Deep State Department that this is a sign that Russia is looking to invade the Ukraine or Ukraine. It's not the Ukraine. It is just Ukraine. Uh, And this is the evidence that they are aggressive towards Ukraine and its people and that they are seeking to invade it and to take it back into its uh, former Soviet Union. Um, and uh, I stand against this, ladies and gentlemen, not because I stand with Russia per se, but because um, if one studies the history of, uh, of the area and uh, in regards to NATO and its many alliances in the European uh, countries and, and uh, Eastern European countries, uh, we see that there has been a breach of an agreement that uh, took place uh, between Russia and NATO, um, going back to, uh, Gorbachev, okay? And, uh, in that agreement, even though it was not, uh, penned specifically to say, uh, that, uh, NATO could not, uh seek the uh seek the um uh seek the uh, attendance or seek the joining of eastern european countries into nato it was that nato would not expand eastward uh more specifically the military power more specifically the arms more specifically uh the equipment that uh one could use to uh invade a country or to strike a country um the History of Russia and the illusion of us being mortal enemies, which I believe was created in order to keep these two vast and great nations separate and against each other, uh, had a lot to do with those talks, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we see also that uh, NATO has uh, not held up its end of the deal. Now, hypothetically speaking, could NATO, I mean, could Ukraine join NATO and become a member and uh, not anger Russia? I think hypothetically speaking, that could be a possibility. If they were not staging the weapons of war on their border, which is what NATO has consistently done throughout the years. And uh, well, Russia views that as a threat to their security and the safety of its people and the sovereignty of its nation. Um, A look back at Russia, you know, uh, and it. Take example, World War II, uh, where we had, you know, uh, much of Ukraine joining Nazi Germany and, you know, and being a part of that battle. And then we have the invasion of Russia by the Nazis. Uh, Russia has learned from their past that to, to not protect their Western border, to ignore troops and enemies amassing on their Western border could be very deadly for their people. With that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if we think about this uh, this notion of America versus Russia, and we think about NATO... Uh, and also the United States being highly representative of that organization, well, clearly, we have a threat in the eyes of someone named Putin, okay? That is kind of the point of view that I take on this matter. Um, As I see it, NATO has lied about their eastward expansion, and Russia is only seeking to uh, protect their country against... Um, Against nations who have actively called them the enemy, the aggressor and the wrongdoer and the evil ones who have no soul, right? Like Biden said, uh, when he looked into the eyes of Putin, he had no soul. So uh, that is the point of view that I take, you know, um, and uh, well... The Deep State Department, incidentally, uh, claims that point of view to be Russian disinformation, ladies and gentlemen, but more on that later. Let's catch up with what has been going on this weekend in regards to NATO and the United States of America um, escalating their aggression towards Russia, and I might add also escalating their, uh, their rhetoric and their propaganda about what is going on in that area of the world. Now, uh, Breitbart reported that the United States on Friday announced a large-scale NATO naval exercise in the Mediterranean Sea beginning on today, Monday, and with the participation of aircraft carrier the USS Harry Truman, Tensions flare with Russia and uh, they are going to hold maritime maneuvers while this is occurring. So NATO and the United States have decided to run maritime exercises and drills in the Mediterranean Sea at the same time that they are escalating their rhetoric against Russia. Um, This just doesn't sit right with, I'm sure, many people out there, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, what is our government most famous for doing during times of uh, terrorism or times of attack on our soil? They are quite historically prone to be running drills at the same time that something happens that is uh, uh, egregious and terrible in this country. And uh, it is not a good thing at all, ladies and gentlemen. I think it's more of a symptom of their intention. Uh, W.C. Kranop, thank you for uh, gifting the phone, sir. Welcome into the chat. He says, Mr. C, have all the... Okay, I gotcha. All right, that's not... (laughs) Thank you, W.C. Kranop. That doesn't help move the narrative forward, but I appreciate the comment. I'll get with you later on on that. Uh, Now, getting back to what Breitbart reported, they said that... um, According to a Pentagon spokesman by the name of John Kirby, he said the Neptune Strike 2020, the next Neptune Strike 22, now the Neptune Strike 22 is the name of this exercise that they will be uh, performing in the Mediterranean. He says Neptune Strike 22 is going to run through February 4th, and it's designed to demonstrate NATO's ability to integrate the high end maritime strike capabilities of an aircraft carrier group to support the defer- the deterrence and defense of the alliance. Kirby said preparations for the exercise had begun in 2020 and that it had nothing to do with the fears that Russia could invade Ukraine on whose borders Moscow has amassed tens of thousands of troops. Neptune strike 22, however, does not appear on the list of scheduled exercises for 2022 published by NATO on its website on December 14th. The exercise Kirby said itself is not designed against the kinds of scenarios that that might happen with respect to Ukraine. It's really it really is a NATO maritime exercise test. He has he has to three times reassure the public that it really is a NATO maritime exercise to test a wide range of maritime capabilities that we want to make sure we continue to improve. I don't think that we can take a lot of uh, assurance on their part that when they say that these maritime exercises are being set up just to test out their capabilities, that they're actually telling the truth. Oh, sorry, I forgot to switch my little clicker over. But yes, Russia-NATO war, ladies and gentlemen, that is what we're talking about here. Uh, now, in another article from um, the from Breitbart, they actually go into a little bit more detail about what is going on there in the Ukraine and in the Russia. If I'm gonna say the Ukraine, I'm gonna say the Russia because there's no... Uh, <laughs> There's no uh, uh, no the in front of those. I don't know why I'm saying that. But uh, let's see what this article says. U.S. Aircraft Carrier Strike Group heads for Mediterranean amid Russia threats. Okay, so like I said, the USS Harry S. Truman Aircraft Carrier Strike Group is heading for the Mediterranean. Uh, well, it should be there by now, I guess. It talks a little bit about it. The nuclear-powered Nimitz-class warship and her 5,000-strong crew will take part in NATO exercises called Neptune Strike 22. Naval Striking and Support Forces NATO, Uh, led by Sixth Fleet Commander Vice Admiral Gene Black, is overseeing the joint international deployment. The exercises are set to begin Monday and run through February 4th and will demonstrate NATO's ability to integrate the high-end maritime strike capabilities, of an aircraft carrier strike group to support the deterrence and defense of the Alliance. Uh, John Kirby added that the strike group, along with several other NATO allies that he did not name, will participate in coordinated maritime maneuvers, anti-submarine warfare training, and long-range strike training. And there are a couple of photos there. Uh, let's see, Kirby insisted the war games had been long planned since 2020, and were not in response to the recent Russian military aggression near the Ukrainian border, though the drills are not listed on NATO's website among exercises slated for this year. The announcement came a day after Russia announced its own all-out naval exercises with more than 140 warships and about 10,000 soldiers taking part in the January and February in maneuvers that will take place in the Atlantic, the Arctic, the Pacific, and the Mediterranean. The U.S. and Western allies have watched as the uh, steady rise of Russian troop numbers near the border grew to a peak of an estimated 100,000 on the Moscow-Ukraine border, or uh, Russia-Ukraine border, pardon me. Okay. Uh, Kirby acknowledged tensions with Russia had sparked discussions among the allies on the holding of exercises, although Russian naval capabilities are still a largely unknown quantity. Okay. So that is what is going on, guys. Uh, The article concludes the strike group includes five U.S. ships, the cruiser USS San Jacinto uh, and the guided missile destroyers USS Cole, USS Bainbridge, USS Gravely and USS Jason Dunham. The carrier was to join the area of operations of the Central Command, but U.S. Defense Secretary Darth Lloyd Austin decided at the end of December to keep near the Mediterranean to reassure Europeans amid tensions with Russia. Or to be aggressive towards Russia. I guess you could look at it either way, right? Any further engagement beyond regional exercises is subject to debate. As Breitbart News reported, Americans largely do not support intervening military in the ongoing conflict between Russia and Ukraine and prefer diplomatic pressure or weapon support. We don't even support... Well, I don't even support that. That is for a fact. So as you can see here, guys, uh, we are going... We're... It's like, you know, it's like we're... we're. It's like we are dressed like a thief or we're dressed like, I don't know, some kind of... uh intruder and we're standing outside the door and they look out the window and uh they they see us there and we tell them, oh, we're we're not gonna, you know, break into your house tonight. And they're like, oh, okay. And they just go back to sleep. You know, like it makes it we would they're in the backyard of Russia, okay? They're sending warships and uh what, five thousand plus a hundred, ten thousand, you know, troops over there uh you know it, it i would if i were if I were in Russia's shoes I would really feel like uh something's going on here guys that's the way that I would be looking at this right now uh if i were in russia's shoes uh but you know they didn't uh they did not list here uh who all was gonna be involved in it. Uh, but you know, keep in mind, guys, that on top of this exercise that they are um, going to be performing today through February in in uh, in that area of the world, we also have what 8,500 troops here in in the U.S. who are now on alert. Okay, uh, that is another acceleration of of this rhetoric and this uh, aggression that NATO is taking against Russia, um, and uh, and for all intents and purposes. A lot of people in this country do not agree with what is going on right now. Now, that is not, of course, the only other sign uh, of war that uh, has been uh, alerted to those who are paying attention. Along with these naval exercises, along with this uh, war drum beating of NATO and the Deep State Department and Anthony Blinken, along with putting on a large number of troops on alert, uh, we also have... Um, um, an evacuation call coming out of the White House, uh, telling, telling, uh, telling um, um, a, a diplomats and their family, uh, if they are in the Ukraine, that they should begin to leave the country as soon as they can. OK, um, that's classic. We're going to war talk to me. If you, uh, if you were to ask my opinion, and it's definitely a symptom of things to come. Let's take a look at this article from the Washington Examiner. Uh, it says here, uh, Departure of U.S. diplomats from Kiev is the latest signal war in Ukraine could be imminent. I would be thinking the same thing, too, if I were uh, uh, in the armed forces or if I were in the Ukraine. Uh, now, it says here, Uh, An abundance of caution in a rare Sunday night conference call for reporters, the Deep State Department announced it is ordering the families of U.S. government employees at the embassy in Kiev to leave immediately and telling non-emergency embassy employees their departure is authorized on a voluntary basis. Other American citizens in Ukraine are also being urged to consider leaving as well. Uh, These decisions were made out of an abundance of caution due to continued Russian efforts, again, Russian efforts, to destabilize the country and undermine the security of Ukrainian citizens and others visiting or residing in Ukraine, a senior State Department official said last night. Do we believe a Russian invasion is imminent? As President Biden has said, military action uh, by Russia could could come at any time, The United States government will not be in a position to evacuate U.S. citizens in such a contingency, so U.S. citizens currently present present in Ukraine should plan accordingly, including by availing themselves of commercial options, should they choose to leave the country. While Ukraine is under a level four travel advisory, urging Americans not to travel to the country because of COVID risks and now the threat of Russian invasion, the U.S. Embassy in Kiev continues to operate, and U.S. Charged of Affairs uh, Christina uh, Kavian remains in Ukraine. Okay, so apparently more ammo has also arrived in Ukraine. Uh, so, well, well, we know that they're sending, uh, they got a new ammo payload, I think, uh, today or yesterday. It goes on here. In the briefing, officials said the U.S. was rushing new lethal defensive secretary ass- security assistance to Ukraine, including what they said was ammunition for the frontline defenders. Uh, the first of several shipments for Ukrainian armed forces totaling $200 million arrived in Kiev on January 22nd, so on Saturday. And uh, more will arrive in weeks to come, one official said. With this new authorization, the United States has committed more than $650 million of taxpayer money um, to the security assistance to Ukraine in the past year and more than $2.7 billion in taxpayer money in total U.S. security assistance to Ukraine since 2014. Um, Let's see here. The U.S. should be moving heaven and earth to arm Ukraine. Uh, In an opinion piece published in Defense News, three analysts from the Foundation for Defense of Democracies argue time is running out to give Ukraine the weaponry it needs to defend against Russia's military might. So again, you see more propaganda spilling out of these uh, of these uh, co-opted departments uh, in the name of creating a war. Now, again, it can be asked exactly what is the motivation here? Uh, again, to me guys, we all know that uh, these people capitalize on war. Uh, they capitalize on chaos, they capitalize on confusion, and they capitalize on fear. And you get all of that during war times, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, they can uh, they can pull more wool over the eyes of many during a conflict like this than they can uh, during, uh, well, what they're dealing with right now, uh, the awake citizens of this country not taking it anymore. Now, another thought that kind of crossed my mind in regard to this uh, withdrawal of, uh, you know, uh, uh, United States, uh, you know, individuals there in Ukraine, uh, I kind of thought, you know, Perhaps the reason why this is happening, why they're telling people not to travel to Ukraine and, uh, not to, and to start leaving Ukraine, uh, I believe could possibly be something that is reflective of what happened in Afghanistan, uh, in, in the wake of the military departure. Oh, but we forgot to evacuate the people. Uh, I kind of see the same kind of, uh, you know, scenario setting up here, guys, um, The United States government, under the supposed leadership of an illegitimate president, okay, they were not able to secure and safely remove Americans from Afghanistan. Why were they not able to do that? Why could our government, why could this country, who does not leave anyone behind, not, not... Complete a mission as saving the lives of Americans before a withdrawal, or period. I mean, this is a question that will boggle the minds of you know deep state philosophers and uh, geopolitical uh, you know academics for years to come. But we might know the answer to that. And that's because they don't have the capability. And that's because they are an illegitimate government and they don't have anything to back up the maneuvers that they are making on the world stage. So could they possibly be depending on the Americans in Ukraine to evacuate themselves because they are going to go to war and they have the full intent of having a conflict. So they're getting them out early. So that later on, when we are in the midst of this battle that they are setting up and executing themselves, they won't get any blame or pushback or no spotlight shined on them because they were unable to save Americans stuck in Ukraine. They're getting ahead of the bombs dropping. They're getting ahead of that first bullet, uh, you know, flying through the airspace so that this way there will be fewer Americans in Ukraine when this war begins should it begin ladies and gentlemen because at this point anything could happen I have not been able to think in my mind of what kind of scenario would prevent this from happening at the same time exposing these globalists behind NATO and this war um but uh I think that's something that's a, quite a possibility to consider they are getting they are getting ahead um, um, a head start on this evacuation before the war actually begins because they have the full intention of going to war. They have the full intention of conflict. And that's just something that I surmise myself, nothing you have to take to the bank or uh, pay attention to. But uh, I think that is a, I think that is a, a justly, uh, a, a justified notion on my part. Uh, So another question here, guys, if we have the United States and NATO ready to go to war, I mean, you know, it's not just going to be the United States of America, even though we are the ones who are beating that war drum louder than anyone else. Okay. Um, What is the response from the international community, the other members of NATO? Uh, Are they going to join in this conflict? Are they going to be part of this fight? You know, what what are they going to say about this? Let's take a brief look at this article from the Air Force Times. Now, uh, this article here says NATO sends ships, jets east. Ireland rejects Russia drills over Ukraine threat. So, uh, yeah, Russia's actually holding an exercise, um, in, off the coast of Ireland. Now, they're not in any type of invading space, but according to an article I read, they are within their economic space in the ocean, you know, so I guess if, if that makes any sense to anyone, but, uh, Let's skip down to here. Um, Let's see here. It says, uh, and let me expand that article for you guys as well. It says, uh, the U.S. military organization, NATO, said that it is beefing up its deterrence presence in the Baltic Sea area. Denmark is sending a frigate and deploying F-16 warplanes to Lithuania. Spain will also send warships and could send fighter jets to Bulgaria. And France stands ready to send troops to Bulgaria. So you'll notice right here, and then uh, we can even look at this uh, previous um, paragraphs. So you know, I'm not making things up. NATO said on Monday that it's putting extra forces on standby and sending more ships. Uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So, you know, so here, th- this is the premise of this article, right? It's clearly saying that we already have countries deploying ships, and it is in the name of deterrence. It is in the name of this threat that is happening between Ukraine and Russia. Nowhere does it mention in this article, and this is from the Air Force Times, nowhere in this article does it mention uh, Neptune Strike 2022. Nowhere in this article does it mention that they're holding maritime exercises to test the capabilities of their maritime deployment. Doesn't mention that at all. That is just a line that we are getting fed from the Deep State Department at this moment. So keep that in mind. All right. It says uh, Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg said NATO will take all necessary measures to protect and defend all allies. He said, We will always respond to any deterioration of our security environment. So does Putin. Wouldn't you say that? Is that not fair to say? If we would always respond to any deterioration of our security environment, don't you think that other countries would do the same thing? And that is, uh, including their strengthening, uh, including strengthening their collective defenses. The announcement came as European union foreign ministers sought to put on a fresh display of resolve in support of Ukraine and paper over concerns about divisions on the best way to confront any Russian aggression. Uh, We are showing unprecedented unity about the situation in Ukraine with the strong coordination with the United States. European Union Foreign Policy Chief Joseph Borrell, who is chairing their meeting, told reporters in Brussels. Asked whether the European Union would follow a U.S. move and order the families of European embassy personnel in Ukraine to leave, Borrell said, we are not going to do the same thing. He said he is keen to hear from Secretary of State, Secretary of Deep State Anthony Blinken about that decision. Britain on Monday also announced it is withdrawing some diplomats and dependents from its embassy in Kiev. The Foreign Office said the move was in response to the growing threat from Russia. Ukraine's Foreign Ministry spokesman Oleg Nikolenko said the U.S. decision was a premature step and a sign of excessive caution. He said that that Russia is sowing panic among Ukrainians and foreigners in order to destabilize Ukraine. Germany is monitoring developments, but German Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock stressed that we must not contribute to unsettling the situation further. We need to continue to support the Ukrainian government very clearly and, above all, maintain the stability of the country. Arriving at the European Union meeting, Irish Foreign Minister Simon Covini uh, Covini Um, Said he would inform his counterparts that Russia plans to hold war games 240 kilometers or 150 miles off of Ireland's southwest coast in international waters, but within Ireland's exclusive economic zone. There's that economic zone thing that I mentioned, guys. This isn't a time to increase military activity and tension in the context of what's happening with and in Ukraine, Covini said. The fact that they are choosing to do it on the western borders, if you like, of the European Union off the Irish coast is something that, in our view, is simply not welcome and not wanted right now, particularly in the coming weeks. During Monday's meeting, which Blinken will attend virtually, the ministers will restate Europe's condemnation of the Russian military buildup near Ukraine— They'll renew calls for dialogue, notably through the European-backed Normandy format, which helped to ease hostilities in 2015, a year after Putin ordered the annexation of Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula. And let's see here. Should, uh, okay. So uh, they go on about uh, what they're going to do. Putin attacks Russia. Uh, It says, um, should Putin move on Ukraine again, the minister will warn Russia would face massive consequences and severe costs. Those costs would be of a financial and political nature. The European Union insists that it stands ready to slap hefty sanctions on Russia within days of any attack. Over the weekend, some of the member countries closest to Russia, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, confirmed they plan to send U.S.-made anti-tank and anti-aircraft missiles to Ukraine, a move endorsed by the United States. But questions have been raised about just how unified the European Union is. Diverse political, business, and energy interests have long divided the 27-country bloc in its approach to Moscow. Around 40% of the European Union's natural gas imports come from Russia, much of it via pipelines across Ukraine. Okay, so I think we can stop there. We know for a fact now that that is what's going on, and that is the support that the deep state and NATO can expect to um, to gain in their uh, their aggression and their warmongering against Russia. Okay. So uh, let's go ahead and we'll, I think we can end that there. Yeah. That is pretty much what I had to share in that regard, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, clearly, uh, clearly, they're looking to, to go to war, guys. I mean, that's just, that is just the way that all of this is reading. I'm sure all of you guys can see that yourselves, particularly with the recall of diplomats and family members, guys, like that—that uh, that is a big signal right there, in my opinion. But it's all because Russia is continuing to be aggressive, you know, and there is no fault on NATO for continuing to uh, expand east and, uh, you know, present a form of security threat to Russia and again. If you are joining this broadcast or picking up the podcast and you're a first-time listener, uh, we are not Russian bots here at the Sea Report, um, but most definitely we do recognize uh, the enemies of our enemies, uh, and our enemies happen to be the globalist deep state elitists, ladies and gentlemen, who are literally trying to destroy humanity and uh, have their way with uh, this planet. And that is just uh, that is a that is a seat that I will not remove myself from, as it has been proven to be uh, the implicit truth through and through. So they have the backing of all of these countries so far. Um, but I think something else that is important to pay attention to are the ones who are not acting and who are not sending military um, military equipment or selling arms to Ukraine in support of them. And uh, one of those such countries, ladies and gentlemen, is actually Germany. Uh, That is a big signal right there, too, that not everyone is united on how uh, this situation should be handled. Now, again, this is Russia supposedly being aggressive towards Ukraine, even though, you know, NATO and the United States keep on putting weapons and moving Military power in their direction, expanding eastward, and like I said, you know, there was a uh, there was this uh, Gorbachev agreement back in uh, well, the nineties, right, when they were talking about NATO in respect to Russia, you know, and even Putin has uh, has spoken on this uh, on this matter, and that the agreement was not necessarily about the eastward expansion of NATO, it, more so than the movement of military equipment in their direction, but again. NATO and the allied forces of NATO have lied to um, Russia about this. There needed to be a separate space, a a safe space, if you will, to borrow from the SJWs of the world, um, uh, wherein they knew or they felt that a military strike against Russia would not be possible or would not be um, a threat to their security so again we 're not uh, we 're not Russian bots, or you know we 're not here to uh, be pro Russia but we are going to look at the facts of the matter and weigh them out in a reasonable manner uh, whenever we 're talking about what 's going on in the world today, and especially in regards to our country, because ultimately we have American lives and troops that stand to get involved in a physical conflict over there, which means more needless death and bloodshed and more needless uh, bloodshed of Americans because of this supposed aggression that Russia is showing toward Ukraine. Okay. So uh, talking about Germany again, uh, Germany has decided that they're not going to sell any arms to Ukraine. They're not going to send any military power over there. That's much to the dismay of President Zelensky and also to uh, Ukrainians in general. And I'm sure NATO has uh, feels a certain way about that as well. Uh, this Bloomberg Quint article bleh, uh, talks about Germany and their um, decision to not support NATO in a military type of fashion, and one would have to wonder why Germany. Uh, as the last article presented, there are also a lot of economic business types of um, matters that are causing this division, and that in part, I think, is really why Germany is choosing not to support uh, Ukraine in the way that uh, members of NATO would prefer them to support. Uh, So this article here, again, this is again from Bloomberg Quint, it says, Germany stands firm on denying Ukraine arms as allies real. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz held firm on a refusal to supply weapons to Ukraine brushing off criticisms that the stance undermines efforts to deter Russia from an incursion. Europe's largest economy has a long-standing policy against exporting weapons to to conflict zones and will stick to it, Schultz said Monday, adding that the country is prepared to support Ukraine in other ways, including training support. If Russia does invade Ukraine, it will have a high cost, Germany's new leader said in Berlin, The situation is serious, not just today, but for months. The pushback followed a bruising run of allegations that Schultz's administration was leaving the U.S. in the lurch with a muddled approach to thwarting Russian aggression toward Ukraine. Confusion over Germany's intentions risk exacerbating investor jitters over the threat of war in Europe, while also tarnishing the reputation of Schultz's three-way coalition, as it faces its first international crisis. German credibility is eroding before our eyes, Ben Hodges, the former commanding general of the U.S. Army in Europe, said in a Twitter post on Sunday. Questions over Germany's commitment to its NATO allies were fueled by the head of Germany's Navy urging respect for Russian President Vladimir Putin. Although he quit as a result on Saturday, the comments prompted Ukraine's government to summon the German ambassador in protest Schultz reaffirmed on Monday that K. K Akeem Schoenbach's comments were at odds with the government's position. Schultz also faced criticism for turning down an invitation for urgent talks with President Joe Biden. Citing a prior appointment, Schultz instead sought a later date to visit Washington. The White House has denied the incident, which was first reported by Spiegel magazine, Biden will hold a call with Schultz and other European leaders on Monday, according to a White House statement. The developments added to suspicion that Germany is disinclined to take a hard line on Russia because of historical and economic ties spanning World War II guilt to energy needs. Doubts especially linger over the new administration's willingness to target the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline. Schultz, who succeeded Angela Merkel in December, only last week clarified that his government stands by an accord reached with the U.S. last summer over the controversial gas link to Russia. Under the pact, Germany agreed to take punitive action against the pipeline, which bypasses transit through Ukraine, if the Kremlin weaponizes energy. Despite Schultz's assurances, the questions over Germany's true resolve keep coming. Is Germany a reliable American ally? nine ran an op-ed in the wall street journal on monday um so well there you have it in regards to germany article concludes that the country appears isolated as some allies send so-called defensive weapons defensive weapons to kiev government or dispatch forces to the wider region in response to russia's continued military buildup on the ukrainian border Um, they are sending old equipment from the former East German army. It looks like, Uh, it says here, uh, they were originally sent to Finland and then transferred to Estonia, which now wants to send those weapons to Ukraine. But Germany still has a say on their use under the original agreement. And, uh, government spokeswoman Christiane Hoffman left the door open saying Monday that the case was still being reviewed. So they could be sending ancient weapons uh, to Ukraine, but that might be about all that they get from Germany. So, uh, there's that going on with Germany, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I would think that if you had any member of, um, NATO being disinclined or not going along to get along in, uh, any military moves that they want to happen over there, that's a clear signal that, uh, you might not want to, uh... Start something, guys. But uh, again, as the article mentioned, Nord Stream 2, the pipeline that uh, Joe Biden granted to uh, Putin and Germany to happen, is a big talk of discussion about what could be behind um, Germany not participating in any type of military support or action, aside from training, Uh, Now, the article did mention again, um, you know, uh, past guilt. And again, that has to do with Germany's Nazi invasion into Russia uh, back in World War II. So everything from that, which is understandable, um, all the way up to this gas line, this pipeline um, being built, um, would suggest that there are more than just, uh, you know, uh, reasons of guilt why Germany doesn't want to get involved. So uh, there could be some consequences to that as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Nord Stream Two. We haven't really talked about Nord Stream Two or the lifting of the sanctions that illegitimate Joe uh, passed when he got into the House, and you know, uh, you know that caused a lot of uh, discomfort and disagreements, uh, not just with uh, you know members of Europe or leaders of Europe, but also here in the states uh, with uh, our um, so-called representatives. Uh, so the let's see here. For that, we'll look at uh, we'll look at Vox magazine, guys. We don't like Vox, but uh, they have uh, an article here that summed this up um, more so than most. Uh, the pipeline at the center of geopolitical drama is what the name of this article is, and uh, let's see what she's got to say. Come on, then. All right. So Nord Stream 2 is looming over escalating Russian-Ukraine tensions. Okay. Of course, they open up with what Russia's doing aggressively because, again, these guys are lefty, lefty uh, global deep state propaganda. So it says the project in question is Nord Stream 2, an $11 billion Russian-owned pipeline that has Washington in a difficult position with some of its European allies, divided other European countries among themselves, and weakened Ukraine. When it's up and running, Nord Stream 2 will bring natural gas from Russia to Europe. It is laid alongside Nord-, Nord Stream 1, which flows from Russia along the Baltic Sea and directly into Germany. Experts said the pipeline will not dramatically increase Russian natural gas imports to Europe, but it could reroute it, meaning more natural gas will flow directly to Germany and potentially bypass other existing pipelines that run through other European countries. Most significantly, Ukraine. The United States sees the pipeline as a Russian geopolitical tool to undermine Europe's energy and national security. Ukraine definitely sees it uh, this way too, and wants the pipeline stopped. Once Nord Stream 2 is online, Russia will no longer need to pay transit fees to send gas through Ukraine. Ukraine. And both Russia and Europe have less need to rely on the pipeline that runs through Ukraine. The thinking is that as long as as that remains a critical transit corridor for Russian supplies to get to market, Russia maybe is less likely to interfere or to disrupt that source of transit, said Emily Holland, assistant professor in the Russia Maritime Studies Institute at the U.S. Naval War College. Germany has framed Nord Stream 2 as a commercial project, essential to German industry, and wants to see it operational. Some of Europe agrees, some of Europe doesn't, or doesn't really want to say too much either way. Add in corporate corporate and financial interests, energy demand, and costs, and things get even messier. And Russia, in case you haven't figured out, wants all of those things because clearly we know what they want, a geopolitical tool to get leverage over Europe and a vulnerable Ukraine and a payout from the pipeline. All of this is taken uh, on an additional urgency, yada yada about troops building up on the border again. Um, So uh, let's see here. Uh, It says, uh, because of that, Nord Stream 2 is increasingly seen as leverage in negotiations with Russia over Ukraine, though there are divisions on exactly how to use it as such. Um, And uh, let's see that question of just how to use it played out in the Senate Thursday over a failed effort by Senator Ted Cruz to impose sanctions on the pipeline now. All these fractures between transatlantic allies, European nations, and U.S. and European populaces themselves mean Nord Stream 2 has already achieved at least one of Putin's political plans because Vox knows everything about Putin and the way that he thinks. Uh, Let me skip down to one other section down here. This actually talks about the history of Nord Stream 1 and how it came into place and then Nord Stream 2, but we're going to skip down here to this paragraph um, to skip over that uh, little bit of history. Uh, let me see where we uh, Nord Stream 2 became a flashpoint. Uh, come on now. Oh, here we go. How Nord Stream 2 became a flashpoint in Ukraine's future. In May 2021, the Biden administration waived congressional sanctions on the company behind Nord Stream 2. The bipartisan legislation passed in 2019, a move that angered Germany and piled on uh, to strained relations in Trump in the Trump years. Uh, This was part of the administration's larger overture toward Germany to help repair the damage of the Trump years. So Biden allowed Nord Stream 2 to happen, even though, again, he closed down the XL pipeline here in uh, the United States uh, so that this way he could get back in Germany's favor, because apparently, apparently Trump really messed up our relations with them. I think they were most definitely afraid of that. And uh, thank you for uh, gifting the cookie over there, BC Smalls. Uh, we are definitely going to touch on that, my friend. Uh, so let's continue. Um, and uh, his comment was, "And they say Hunter had nothing to do with this." Well, we'll we'll touch on that in just a bit. That's that's all part of the uh, cocktail for tonight. Now again. Uh, Biden's deciding to allow Nord Stream 2 to happen between Russia and Germany and uh, that area of the world was part of the administration's larger overture toward Germany to help repair the damage of the Trump years. But Biden got pushback from Congress, including from Senate Democrats, who saw Biden as acknowledging the U.S. wasn't or couldn't stop the pipeline from moving forward. Ukraine also deeply opposed this decision, given it has the most to lose from Nord Stream 2 coming online. Again, Europe isn't getting more gas from Russia through Nord Stream 2, but it offers another option to move that natural gas. And that means Russia and Europe need Ukraine's pipeline a lot less. Ukraine sees this as a major threat. Russia pays Ukraine approximately $2 billion in transit fees, to send gas through its territory. But really, the big thing is that Ukraine sees the pipeline infrastructure as its own insurance policy, both with Russia and Europe. Russia wants to sell its gas to Europe. Europe needs to buy Russian gas. As long as Ukraine is in the mix, it may, at the very least, give Russia pause before sending tens of thousands of troops onto Ukrainian soil and keep Europe a little more invested in its security. Taking Ukraine out of the transit equation further marginalizes Ukraine from an already pretty marginal role in the European consciousness, Balmaceda said. None of this is really a secret, and to be clear, this is exactly the scenario Russia wants. Again, because Vox knows exactly what Russia's thinking. That's why I can view Nord Stream two as more of a geopolitical project because it is designed to give the Russians the option to move gas to move as much gas as they can around Ukraine, said Stephen Pfeiffer, non-resident senior fellow in the Arms Control and Non-Proliferation Initiative at the Brookings Institute. The United States and Germany recognize this. Angela Merkel previously said that gas must keep flowing through Ukraine after Nord Stream two. And the current Chancellor Olaf Scholz reiterated that position in December in a July agreement between U.S. and Germany say they are united in their belief that it is in Ukraine's and Europe's interest for gas transit via Ukraine to continue beyond 2024. That agreement also promises Germany will try to seek sanctions if Russia uses energy as a weapon, but experts said the agreement is pretty vague on what that entails especially since Russia is arguably using energy as a weapon right now, but not increasing exports to meet the current European demand for natural gas in what some analysts see as an attempt to pressure Germany to restart the approval process for Nord Stream 2. Okay, guys, so there is that. So, uh... Definitely a lot of business going on over there on the other side of the world in regard to this. Definitely a lot of stakes here and points of view. A lot of balls to juggle as it were. Uh, But again, it is possibly, highly likely because of this that Germany is not going to send military backup to Ukraine uh, during this time of um, warmongering, basically is what it is as I see it. Uh, but there is something else about this whole thing, guys, when we're talking about Russian energy, Russian exports, Russian oil, Russian gas, and um, and we're also talking about um, the United States' stance on what is happening over there. Um, what is one good word? Uh, there are many single words, don't get me wrong, but what is one good word that would really sum up the deep state And all of their children, they being the left, the progressives, the Democrats, the left-leaning liberals, the communist sympathizers, the socialists, and all of that. What is one really good word? And like I said, I know there are many, but I think one really good word that comes to mind is hypocrite. (laughs) The hypocrisy of it all, ladies and gentlemen, is really what kills me about this (laughs) Because as it turns out, guys, uh, because, you know, Biden did such a great job at uh, ensuring that we remained energy independent and that we had all the oil reserves that we need. Um, It turns out that Biden has been buying a lot of oil from Russia. So what is going on, illegitimate joke? Like you have... (laughs) All of this war beating against Russia, you're claiming they're the aggressor, you open up a pipeline for them, and then you've been buying oil from Russia this whole time, and now you want to go to war with them. (laughs) This, ladies and gentlemen, is what I'm talking about when I say hypocrite, and there's a shining example right here. Uh, This article's from the Gateway Pundit. Putin's real puppet, after killing the XL pipeline, Biden regime imports oil from Russia at record levels. All right. Let it be noted for the record, ladies and gentlemen, that Putin, uh, Biden has been buying oil from Russia for quite some time. And there's an example of a Russian ship bringing us oil. Look at that. Hmm. As a result of his insane move to kill the Keystone XL pipeline, Biden is now importing a record amount of oil from Russia. We all knew this would happen. (laughs) Why would Biden do this? Good question, Gateway Pundit. Good question. Uh, One year since President Joe Biden canceled approval for the Keystone XL pipeline from Canada and the United States thirst for oil is as strong as ever and rising. U.S. oil imports from Saudi Arabia and Russia have increased, and gasoline prices are higher than they have been in the last five years. Uh, Let's see. Keystone XL Pipeline was a missed opportunity to increase North American energy security, lower costs for American consumers, and reduce dependence on foreign energy sources that are hostile to United States interests, says uh, Frank Macchiarola, senior vice president with the American Petroleum Institute. Let's see here. Um, Let's uh, continue down here if there's any more. Consumption in 2023 is expected to reach 17.2 million barrels per day, higher than before the COVID-19 pre-planned pandemic, according to U.S. Energy Information Administration. I don't know if they have any more mention of Russia in here, uh, but that is an interesting uh, an interesting thing to note. Wouldn't you say we're buying uh, oil from those whom we claim are our enemies? We're buying oil from those whom we're currently wanting to go to war with. OK, uh, let's go ahead. Let me go ahead and give you a little bit more sauce on that, guys. This is a chart from the U.S. Uh, Energy Information Administration. Now, this chart shows you uh, the history of America's purchase of oil from Russia. Now, I'm going to expand that for you guys just a little bit. Uh, so here you see, starting in uh, in the in the '90s, mid '90s, uh, down here at the very bottom. Uh, starting years, 1996. So I'm willing to bet that puts us around 1991 or 1990. It actually says 1995. It says U S imports from Russia of crude oil and petroleum products. Um, so from 1996 to 1995, look how it steadily increased. And then you see it dip here. It's still high, but not as high as what? Not as high as what, what year is this? 2010. 2009, 2010, 25,083 barrels, thousand barrels from uh, from Russia to the United States. We see it dip during the Trump administration. And lo and behold, right around, I don't know, 2020 or so, we see an increase. So uh, we've been, uh, we've been, we have been a financial backer of Russia and any of their little warmongering exploits. For some years now, particularly with an increase of 26,171,000 barrels from Russia to the United States, all while, uh, you know, stripping Americans of their ability to be energy independent and increasing the cost of gas, affecting our bottom line, affecting our wallets and uh, miserable, miserable, even people who voted for Biden right now. And I'm sure some of you guys saw that panel. Uh, Don't think that we're better off than we were more than a year ago since Biden's illegitimate administration took office in uh, um, the White House set. (laughs) Did you guys guys ever see that time that he was in the White House set and he's supposedly in the White House and there's a picture of the White House in the window? (laughs) Boy, oh boy, have we been duped, America have we anyways guys so that is uh that is just a little bit of sauce on uh that's just a little bit of sauce on what we have going on there as far as our oil purchasing habits from uh Russia i i am still beside myself on that one guys to to be quite honest with you all uh, okay so pictured here our next topic of discussion pictured here We've got uh, the dynamics between uh, Biden and President Zelensky and uh, President Putin over there in Russia. Now, in regards to this, um, you know, uh, as uh, I, I apologize, I did, do not remember the name was. It, oh, B.C. Smalls had mentioned Hunter Biden, OK, uh, or, or and Biden in regards to this entire relationship of things, guys. Now uh there was a man by the name of Sam Nunberg um, out of Breitbart now Sam Nunberg seems to think that this situation in uh, in that area of the world that um, Putin invading Russia I mean sorry Putin invading uh, Ukraine Russia invading Ukraine might have something to do with Hunter Biden hmm that's an interesting uh, interesting nugget to chew on. Um, he said Hunter Biden. Okay, well, we all know this, guys. This goes back to uh, uh, Hunter Biden's business dealings and sitting on the board of Burisma Holdings. Right. Uh, an energy company in Ukraine um, that uh, Porchenko had a lot to do with. OK. And this is another reason why when we're talking about uh, the politics of Ukraine and its corruption. And we talk about Poroshenko coming back into Ukraine. He had had been out of the country because the man was one of the most corrupt presidents of that country. He came back under uh, charges of treason and somehow got out of it. But now he's back and the media is touting him as the savior of Ukraine, he who shall defeat Putin, okay? This is a globalist Western backed Uh, um, uh, leader here, guys, Porchenko. That's Biden's guy. Porchenko, that's the guy that uh, was was, uh, funneling all this money to Hunter Biden. I'm sure to gain influence and power from the United States because Biden was the vice president at that time. This is the scandal that rocked, you know, or did not rock, you know, the United States uh, during election season because it was censored by the mainstream, lamestream, legacy, fake news, mockingbird media, and all of their pundits, okay, censored by all of them. No one could talk about Hunter Biden and his business dealings with uh, Ukraine. And in fact, neither his business dealings with Russia, nor his business dealings with China, which uh, are also becoming a highlight right now in this country. That story's coming out again, guys, and it's coming out with teeth, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, BC Smalls, thank you, uh, for, (laughs) thank you again for gifting the cookie. We're not going to get into talk about the laptops tonight, uh, but we are going to stay on the pulse of Russia and the United States. Uh, so, um, in regards to this thought, this idea, this theory, this notion, uh, Sam Nunberg from Breitbart said, uh, Hunter Biden was paid by Burisma $80,000 a month to simply sit on the board. Uh, Fortune 500 companies don't pay eighty thousand dollars a month to board members. They were under an investigation by an investigator who is really someone non-corruptible about all of these bribery deals that Burisma was doing. Okay, and that uh, that has to do with that quid pro quo or quid pro joe phone call uh, that Biden made and uh, and and uh, had that investigator fired. And then Biden's administration, the deep state elitist um, filth who represent them in our Congress, projected that quid pro quo onto President Trump in a sham impeachment, um, the likes our country has never seen before, and I pray we never experience something like that again. Now, um, Sam, uh, Mr. Nunberg went on to say, and you know, Joe Biden says and takes credit for getting, as VP, that investigator fired in return for a loan from the United States government to Ukraine. He continued, now, what happens when Donald Trump wins the election in 2016? They cut Hunter Biden's fee per month in half, and then eventually they cut Hunter Biden off completely. Nunberg later explained that President Biden would not have essentially invited Russia to take over Ukraine had his son Hunter been paid handsomely. He says, I am sure had Hunter Biden continued to be paid handsomely, more handsomely than he was when he, uh, when, when Joe was out of office, it would have been a little different asserted Nunberg, I am sure that had President Zelensky not really taken a neutral position, which he did during that impeachment, he didn't go out of his way to defend Joe Biden either. And Joe Biden's actions and Hunter Biden's actions during that hoax impeachment against President Trump, things could have been different. Nunberg noted that former President Trump strengthened NATO and approved the sale of heavy arms to Ukraine during his tenure. One of his immediate initiatives vis-a-vis Europe was stopping the Russia-Putin Nord Stream Pipeline, he said. Biden has immediately given the pipeline to Putin. Nunberg concluded that Hunter um, that Hunter Biden has probably had conversation with his dad about Ukraine and his dislike for President Volodymyr Zelensky's anti-corruption stance. One of the reasons I think that Joe Biden is willing to just give up at territorial integrity, like it's a uh, like it's candy to Russia in negotiations, is because as He said that he was talking to his terrible person of a son, Hunter Biden, uh, Nunberg said. He also was probably talking to him about Ukraine. And I'm sure Hunter is not a fan of Zelensky and Ukraine is not useful to them. So uh, that is uh, an interesting point of view that I think is worth exploring at some point if you'd like, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, But uh, most assuredly, whatever is going on over there, I'm willing to bet is not a result of Russian aggression so much as NATO uh, continuing to advance and threaten the security of Russia. Hey, speaking Easy, what's going on, sir? Thank you for donating 100 gold pills. And uh, thank you again for the cookie, Mr. BC Smalls. And uh oh boy BC Smalls we ain't even going to talk about Hillary Clinton tonight but I'm pretty sure we could uh be confident that there would have been war many years ago had she actually gotten into office So uh finally ladies and gentlemen um in regards to everything that's going on in Ukraine um, Larry Johnson at the Gateway Pundit had these thoughts Uh, Now, Larry Johnson said, the the Biden administration and the Brits are busy trying to sell their perspective, I'm sorry, to sell their respective citizens the lie that we are arming Ukraine to fend off a Russian effort to reestablish the Soviet Union. I would have to agree with that. They are absolutely trying to sell us on this lie for whatever their purpose is. Now, Mr. Johnson says, this is dangerous nonsense. Ukraine is not a Jeffersonian democracy yearning to breathe free air. It is a fractured country, and now much of the West is hell-bent on ignoring this reality and adopting saber-rattling towards Russia while treating Ukraine as an expendable pawn. Russia remembers history. Between 20 and 26 million Russians died in World War II. The parents and grandparents of Russia's current political class paid that price. Almost every family in Russia lost a loved one because, in their worldview, they failed to stop a growing military threat on their western border. Look at this situation from Russia's perspective. The United States promised not to expand NATO. U.S. Secretary of State James Baker's famous not-one-inch-eastward Assurance about NATO expansion in his meeting with Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev on February 9, 1990 was part of a cascade of assurances about Soviet security given by Western leaders to Gorbachev and other Soviet officials during the process of German unification in 1990 and on into 1991 according to declassified United States, Soviet, German, British, and French documents posted today by the National Security Archive at George Washington University. We lied. Instead of maintaining the status quo, we have expanded NATO towards Russia's border, making no mistake, Russia considers the expansion of NATO as a direct military threat. As I pointed out in a previous article, the United States has been conducting regular military exercises in countries bordering Russia for more than 20 years. If you think these exercises are of no concern to Russia, you are worse than a damn fool. Now we are, now we are arming the Ukraine with weapons that will be used against Ukrainians with strong ties to Russia. This is madness that carries a genuine risk of sparking a nuclear conflagration. Russia will not be bullied and will not cower. If you indulge such a delusion, then you know nothing of the price Russia paid to defeat Nazi Germany. The idiots that infest Biden's national security team appear to not understand this central point. If we continue on this path of provoking Russia, our nation is likely to wind up like those two brave cops in New York, dead and bloodied. And that is in reference to an earlier portion of his article that I did not read to you guys. So there you have it. And uh, I would definitely agree in that sense of the word uh, that uh, there will be a price to pay by Americans and many more if they continue this aggression towards Russia, because Russia is not going to back down. And I don't think that we could call on Russia to back down. We would not call on our president to back down from a military threat to our country. How could we expect someone like Putin to do the same thing? Now, again, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I, I, uh, uh we are not here, uh, cheerleading for Russia guys, not, not in any sense of the word, but, but we are being honest with ourselves here at the sea report. And we are being honest with the assessment that we ourselves see based on the actions that are, are taking place in our country and around the world. Now, um, Oh, thank you very, Hey, Aurelius, thank you for the cookie. Control by the state is just a state of mind. Well, I like that point of thought, sir, very much. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> what are you saying, BC Smalls? Boy, BC Smalls, you got a pack full of cookies over there. I thank you for the, uh, the next cookie. He said, who asked Trump to run uh, is the hero in this story. <laughs> for real, though. Uh, but I wanted to point out something else, guys, because again... You know, um, like like the author said, the idiots that infest Biden's national security team, okay? They don't understand. I think they do understand what they're doing. I think that they do. The deep state department, the department of the deep state, these are all the hacks. These are all of the uh, followers. These are all the sycophants that follow around this globalist elite and whatever, whatever... Points They're trying to make or whatever move that they are trying to uh, execute, you know, and uh, the deep state department has frequently come on TV and uh, assessed that this is a Russian aggression. They have assessed that Russia is the one to blame for the acceleration of the possibility of war happening at this time in our history. Uh, And and they have continued to lie, ladies and gentlemen. Now, um, as I mentioned about social media, you know, earlier, I do have my moments, ladies and gentlemen, but I just want to share with you some of these, uh, some of the propaganda that the Russian, I mean, sorry, that the Deep State Department is continuing to pour out about Russia. And uh, this is some of what they have said on Instagram. And I continue to be a little pain in their butt over there. Uh, But uh, let's see here. Uh, One of these statements, it is Russia that has to make a stark choice, de-escalation and diplomacy or confrontation and consequences, keeping in mind that we are the ones that keep moving eastward. We are the ones that keep on arming nations with military power, thereby... Uh, threatening the security of a sovereign nation. Okay. This is all propaganda lies that they are telling us so that when whatever sparks this war and, and really the way I see it playing out is, uh, we commit some kind of false flag that begins this war. One of these false flags, I haven't thought about. I really don't want to see. Uh, but, um, Like I'm saying, this way, the American people, they're being preconditioned. This is, this is again, you know, preconditioning for the American people that Russia is the aggressor. So that when this war breaks out, and I dare say Russia will not be the one to throw, to fire the first bullet, uh, the, the American people will be preconditioned to accept that it was Russia's aggression. Principles guiding United States diplomacy with Russia. We will not commit to anything about Europe without Europe. And already, didn't Biden have a meeting with uh, Putin and they didn't even invite President Zelensky in talks about what's going on between Ukraine and Russia? Yeah, well, seems like they might have already forgotten about it. Uh, They will have discussion. The discussions must be reciprocal. Okay, well, then I would like to know why they have chosen not to respond to Putin, who is asking them to stop putting military power on their borders. And then uh, they need genuine progress that can only take place in a climate of de-escalation while they continue to escalate the amount of military power that they move towards the Russian border via Ukraine and other countries, apparently. Oh, wait. And now they're moving war machines into the Mediterranean Sea as if though that were a point of de- de-escalation, right? Right. Well, it seems like there's no sense of reciprocity on the side of the Deep State Department and NATO, ladies and gentlemen. The Russian campaign to destabilize Ukraine has been relentless. And so has the eastward expansion of NATO and the Allied forces and the military power that they have been moving toward the Russian border. We're just looking at this for face value. And what it looks like to me, I'm sure, is kind of what they're feeling in uh the russian side of things disinformation is one of the kremlin's oldest weapons this one ladies and gentlemen was funny uh because this disinformation this propaganda is exactly what the deep state department and nato are using against us ladies and gentlemen because Americans have already voiced their concern and opinion on this matter, and they, we, do not want involvement in any type of conflict regarding these two nations. This one, guys, takes the cake. This is more than preconditioning, guys. This, to me, is the deep state, NATO, the globalists. They are telegraphing their next move with this statement. It says, fact, The Kremlin has twice used chemical weapons in recent years in attempts to assassinate those who oppose their actions. I will restate it. The Kremlin has twice used chemical weapons in recent years in attempts to assassinate those who oppose their actions. They're telling you their plan, ladies and gentlemen. They are telling you a possible plan. This preconditioning right here is, uh, is their vampire moment. It's their permission. They're giving you full disclosure, okay? Now, worst case scenario, somehow President Zelensky is assassinated and they install Poroshenko, Biden's bed buddy, Hunter Biden's bed buddy, the globalists pawn back into Ukraine. And Poroshenko is already a hard stance against Putin, okay? Let's see if that happens. Let's see if they attempt to or successfully assassinate President Zelensky. And that way they have an excuse to go to war. Because already, now, just so Americans know, when this happens, the Kremlin has already twice used chemical weapons in recent years to attempt to assassinate those who oppose their political actions, Oh, and uh, what you don't read in this small little box here on the side is that it says, including on foreign soil. Hmm, Let me expand that for you guys. Where did I go? Oh, there I am. There we go. Right here in this little box. You don't see it, but it concludes this thought with this uh, interjection. They assassinate those who oppose their actions, including on foreign soil. I think they're telegraphing their next move. Now, um, to wrap up tonight's report, guys, and I thank you all for being here with us tonight uh, as we discussed uh, the possibility of a war in this uh, time and age. And we had no such things under the previous administration Uh, But this is a um, this is a survey that was held by the Trafalgar group that just goes to show exactly where Americans stand and their position on this issue. OK, the lessons of Trafalgar, superior strategy, innovative tactics and bold leadership can prevail even over larger numbers and greater resources. So, uh, again, this is their nationwide survey on whether or not America should go to war with Russia. Now, this survey was conducted on the 12th of January through the 14th. Uh, They had uh, 1,081 respondents, people who were likely general election voters. They had a response rate of 1.44%, a margin of error of 2.98%. They have 95% confidence in this survey, and uh, their response distribution was at 50%. So let's see here ukraine what level of involvement should the u.s have if russia invades ukraine okay so uh let's see 30.5 uh, percent provide only diplomatic area pressure 15 percent provide u.s troops as boots on the ground uh, 23.2 percent provide u.s military advisors provide supplies and military weapons. So uh, about 60% of that does not involve United States troop involvement. Okay, that's a pretty high percent. What level of involvement should the U.S. have if Russia invades Ukraine? Uh, Let's see here. This is a, oh, actually, let me, uh, let me, uh, This. oh, that's from Ukraine. Okay, this is the response from Democrats. Uh, Provide only diplomatic uh, area pressure, that's 30%. uh, 12% troops, uh, 27% military advisors, and then 29% supplies and military weapons. Uh, From the GOP, I like these numbers. Uh, Only diplomatic pressure at 35%, so that's higher than the uh, Democrats. Uh, Only provide military weapons and supplies, 31.9%. Again, that is higher than the Democrats. And uh, uh, even at 16 and 16% for troop involvement and military advisors, non-party or other party, oh boy, these must be the anarchists and they're just kidding. Uh, they want a 22% only diplomatic pressure, 18% with troops on the ground, um, 27 with military advisors, 32% with uh, military supplies and weapons. And then uh, that goes into Taiwan. We're not going to look at Taiwan because we're not talking about China tonight, but we might talk about them soon. And then it breaks it down into gender participation and the likes. So, uh, well, there's that, ladies and gentlemen. If you needed any evidence about where we stand, that's one survey that uh, shows that uh, That shows that factoid there for you guys. Now, uh, you know, I personally um, continue to urge, uh, uh, you know, members of this audience... Uh, you know, and uh, and anyone else who might happen to come across this um, this uh, broadcast, if you agree that uh, for whatever reason it is that we should not have troop involvement in Russia, even if you agree that Russia is the aggressor, we don't need American lives lost. I've got the Capitol switchboard right above my head here. You know, I got my the glare of my head is shining on it, right? So uh, give them a call and let your representative and your senator at the federal level know exactly how you feel about this. Will it do much good in the gr- the grand scheme of things? Well, not to sound cynical, but it may not, you know, because they are going to do what they want to do, particularly, I believe, in regards to geopolitical maneuvers um, uh, and things on the international level. And they've already sussed up such a great storyline for Americans uh, about Russia being aggressive and about Russia, you know... Uh, assassinating people that don't agree with them um, they might just roll with it ladies and gentlemen they might just roll with it. Uh, but one thing for sure for sure here is um, we at the sea report do not see this as a result of uh, Russia being aggressive and uh, that is a point that I think should be made abundantly clear as we continue to examine, study and observe, These um, treasonous so-called representatives and this illegitimate administration as we continue to observe the things that they do in the glass house that they built for themselves that they seemingly soon will shatter around their heads. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us tonight at the Sea Report. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, what we had to share with you all. Uh, thank you all for being so active in the uh, chat rooms tonight. I apologize for not getting to read all of the comments. Joe, thank you for the cookie. I'll just give a quick shout out. Uh, Two Rivers, BC Small, Sonya JHC, Tombstone, WC Cranop, Aurelius Locke. Um, CJM61 good to see you Tam Gorral, thank you all for being present and accounted for tonight it is great to have you guys in the audience Uh, as well thank you to those watching on Twitch if you're live with us right now and at Clout Hub if you are watching us live Um, and if you catch the uh, replays as well or the rebroadcasts well thank you again for um, um, tuning in tonight Uh, before I go one more time I would ask if you uh, would like to uh, receive these reports reports in your ears via a podcast, check us out over at uh, anchor.fm slash the sea report. And we are current and up to date on that. Ladies and gentlemen, I will um, get this episode uploaded tonight as soon as possible, if not latest tomorrow. And that way we can keep that uh, consistent flow for uh, the news coming out of uh, of the sea report. And uh, don't forget, um, every time you play an episode of the Sea Report, you absolutely support this broadcast um every bit helps and uh subscriptions are free on all podcast players we are on uh most of the platforms including the big ones that track you uh, like spotify and google podcast and ipodcast we're all on that too uh, subscribe for free or subscribe at a monthly subscription rate uh any bit helps like i said and we definitely appreciate your support here at the c report and mr CTV. Uh, So until next time, guys, uh, we will see you next, uh, God willing, tomorrow. Uh, And like I always say, uh, be safe, ladies and gentlemen, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you next time.